is Chance Gilliam welcoming you to the Chance by Chance podcast. Today's guest on the show is a great old friend of mine, Jack Bauman. He's been on some crazy awesome adventures lately, as you will hear. Uh, He's got the travel bug real bad these days, and this was our first time hanging out in in several months. Um, So even before pressing record, we did a good deal of catching up um, and saved a lot of it for this conversation that you're about to hear. He shares some tips and tricks, uh, some insights and advice that he's learned from from his adventures uh, that you can apply to your own if travel is something you're interested in doing. Um, and I think as you will hear in this conversation, both Jack and I would, would highly earn, encourage you to pursue that. This episode was recorded at Nutbush City Limits in La Crosse, Wisconsin, uh, during the Week 16 border battle between the Green Bay Packers and the Minnesota Vikings. Spoiler, the Packers did prevail, as probably everyone knows by now. Um, 23-10 in Minneapolis. Uh, the staff at Nutbush was awesome. Um, they had a packed house, but they got us a table, like, around back, kind of behind the kitchen. Um, we're very accommodating kept the drinks flowing, uh, which was atypical for me recording a podcast, and I guess atypical of a Wednesday, or not Wednesday, but a uh, Monday night in in general. As a few people pointed out throughout the course of the evening, there was something a little special in the air there, but I guess that's just Christmas Eve Eve for you. Um, And uh, one correction that I have to offer up before we get into the interview, is that around the one-hour mark, when talking about the Taze community, Jack says, Christian monastery. And I interject saying, no, it's an ecumenical monastery, not a Christian monastery. Well, I was wrong about that. Um, Doing even just a tiny bit of digging, I mean, I just went online, and this is right on Wikipedia, uh, Taze community is an ecumenical Christian monastery. Okay, um, so the it was really a fundamental misunderstanding of the word ecumenical on my part. Um, I've been there twice now, and I had always thought that ecumenical meant of all faiths, whereas, I mean, even just reading this definition to you, the term ecumenism refers to efforts by Christians of different church traditions to develop closer relationships and better understandings. So... It is not of all faiths, it's of all Christian denominations, and the monastery is Christian. However, part of the uh, misunderstanding on my part is because, as you will hear from uh, both Jack and my experiences there, um, you see people and develop meaningful relationships with people from all different countries, like all walks of life, and many different faiths. So, whereas... Um, you do gather and have these prayers, and the uh, the text that is shared um, in order to extract some wisdom from is from the Gospels of the Christian Bible. They don't turn away people of any faith or, or any belief system. It's a really unique place to, uh, to unite and, and be a part of a really awesome community. So I had to offer that up, um, and... Hey, beyond that, uh, as I'm recording this intro, it's Christmas Eve. I just want to say 
Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, um, have a safe holiday. I hope it's lovely and warm wherever you are, uh, inside, if not outside, that is. Uh, get that heat cranked up. Um, enjoy some time with loved ones if you know, you're fortunate enough to, to be doing so. I will talk to you once more before 2020, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. But for now, please enjoy my conversation with Jack Bauman. Jack, what are we drinking? Uh, this is Pseudo Sue by uh, Toppling Goliath. Cheers, man. Cheers, man. Quick swig. Previously, we were drinking Guinness and have since moved on. Uh, does the Guinness in La Crosse, Wisconsin taste different from the Guinness in Ireland? Nope. It's the same deal? No, it, no, it tastes totally different. It does taste different. Tell me about it. No, yeah. It's like, uh, so the first time that I was in Ireland, uh, I came, um, I was in Dublin, oh shit, it was like the end of March, and um, I had a Guinness in the airport. I flew back, and then I drove all the way back from Chicago. For your viewers' sake, it's like 20 hours plus of traveling. Yo, listeners only, though. There's no <laughs> there's no visual on this deal. Oh, okay. All right. So, um, I can't, I, and as soon as I got back, I had a Guinness. So, basically, within the same day, I had a Guinness to try to compare at both places. And here, the Guinness is, like, slightly more sour. Like, just enough to make it a completely different beer. Dude, in the homeland, let me tell you, it's it's smooth. It's just, it's wonderful. I guess I was referencing uh, this most recent trip, but you said end of March. So you've been to Ireland twice now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was when I had my little experiment about um, about Guinness and what, what if, it, if it's true that it's better in the homeland. I was just in Ireland, not last week, but the week before um, for, for a full six days, traveling around, drinking Guinness, drinking whiskey, doing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's the way to do it, too. I feel like, um, and we talked about this, uh, like, a couple weeks ago on the phone, but I'm always, like, geared towards these long trips. I, like, yep. well, I guess over time, like, I've gotten the impression, um, you know, if I'm going to go somewhere, I'm going to go for a while, which is fun, but, um, you know, getting a little further down along the road, um, I'm realizing that just with the affordability of plane tickets, especially these days, like, if you've, you know, if you've got a spare week, why not, uh, try and take off and go? Oh yeah, my god, yeah, we got exactly. more drinks coming. Shots! <laughs> Shouts out. Cheers. I'm actually happy that you brought that up because... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because as we're talking about this, like, I remember going to Europe for a long time just like what you're talking to me about right now and thinking that that was like the best way to do it and yeah it's true like now I found a way to to go and just sort of travel around here and there which is great but honestly having you talk to me about your trip right now today is just like pulling on all my heartstrings and I'm just like dude I should sell my car I should sell all my belongings I should work my fucking ass off and that way, I can go on another really long trip. And so it's it's awesome that we're having this conversation because now it's like, well, I guess the bottom line really is just like traveling is the best thing ever. <laughs> Yo, that said, you're already talking about moving, and that's like the longest trip. Um, what's uh, <laughs> yep, yep. I mean, what's on the horizon? Granted, you know, like nothing in life is for certain. You gotta you gotta kind of no. take it as it comes. But with a, I with mean, a, what's the ambition? Yeah. What's the ambition? What do you mean? Um, so you, you've talked to me about 
getting a work visa, yes. living overseas. Yes. And there's a, for those listening, there is a border battle going on right now, uh, Packers and Vikings, yep, yep. week 16. Uh, you're going to hear a little background noise, but yes. Jack, uh, please, if you would, tell me about the ambition to live and work overseas. Well, I guess it really, it, well, for your listeners who don't know me, I grew up in a, in a town, a relatively small town. I mean, 50,000, relatively speaking, is, is small. Small enough for me, having to grow up here all of my 26 years, go nowhere without being recognized by somebody and having them come up to me. And that's all well and fine, but eventually it kind of wears on you. And um, I've, I've kind of grown to really dislike that about my hometown. So uh, I, was at the, I was at a bar uh, one day with my dad, and for whatever reason, he was talking to me about a trip that he went on in, uh, to Europe, just like I did, just like you did just like he did but it was back in 1973 and there's this fella on the other side of me that was, like heard him talking about it and was like oh my god I went to Europe in 1973 too this is so cool and, <laughs> and it was like watching this camaraderie uh, that was last August not this last one but the one before so it was like a year and a half ago and I was like shit I need I need to do that and so I, I worked really hard towards that and I, I was finally able to achieve the goal of, of getting the heck out of my hometown for an extended period of time but I think the important thing about going was not that necessarily the length of time it was that I was out there I was all by myself I was calling the shots I was making every single choice for myself um, good and bad it was all very fulfilling and, and um, purposeful and I learned a lot from it and so having that experience thats I think that's really where my ambition comes from why I choose France is Kind of a complicated answer as well, but um, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, no, let's dig into France, though. Uh, okay. Let's right. hear you uh, articulate this. Why France? Okay, well, as you know, because we met when we were working at Java Vino. Java Vino. Java Vino, man. Those are the good old days. Really, yeah. Those were the good old days. It's funny how quickly <laughs> today becomes the good old day. Like, Dude, yes. Because really, yes. that was only like a year ago at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I, I feel the same way. Yeah. Oh, something's going on on the TV. One second. Yeah, it was another fumble, but it looks like the Packers recovered, unfortunately. Well, I mean, we're at a Packer bar. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> it comes with the territory. So, um, as you know, when I, when I started working at um, uh, Java Vino, uh, what was that, 2016, 2017, something like that, you knew that I wanted to go to Italy, actually. That was there was no uh, reason behind that other than it's just what I want because I love the language. It, it sounds beautiful. It sounds really beautiful, man. I, I love it. Uh, I lo that's my favorite type of food. Um, and like like Italian uh, people in general are just beautiful people. And, and there's just something really hot about the. The, the atmosphere in Italy, it's just, it's all like super, super awesome. <laughs> and so I was like, all right, I'm going to go on this big trip uh, to Europe within three years. And then five years from now, I'm going to be moving over there permanently. So that was my original plan. And I guess I did sort of stick with that. Uh, although I didn't end up spending as nearly as much time in Italy as I wanted to because, well, when you go on a trip like that where you don't plan anything out, you just sort of just go. Um, and the more you plan things, the more it kind of doesn't necessarily suck, but the more it like forces you to do things that you don't necessarily want to do, 
like at that very moment, but you did when you made those plans. Oh yeah. So and you know how that goes. Going yeah, on trips this, to this is my like car ride to Oviedo. I was telling you about. <laughs> exactly. You just gotta exactly. go with it sometimes. Like even with a little hesitation, like. Uh, if the opportunity presents itself nine times out of ten, like you just gotta see where it leads. Yep, absolutely. And um, so when I got there, I mean, see, so the first time, I basically it took me like two days to figure out that I'm not gonna get to do all the things I wanted to do. You can't just like hop on a magical ferry bus that takes you to Stonehenge from London. It's like a whole day to go do that. So I had to cut that out of my trip. And it's just like that with many, many other things. And I learned very quickly to just go with the flow. All that ends up meaning uh, I didn't spend very much time in Italy, but that's okay. I still love it for all the same reasons I do, and I would, I still really want to end up there. But having been to France for uh, almost three weeks total at the beginning and end of my trip, I learned that uh, since I speak the language, it makes way more sense for me to try to exist there than to try to start from scratch with a language that I don't understand, that I can't speak at all. Uh, not only that, but because of uh, the length of time that I spent in France compared to Italy, I like, have a bunch of French friends. I don't, I don't actually have any Italian friends. So I, I don't have any support. I don't have people I can ask questions to in Italy. Uh, seriously, just the reason I chose France is because it just makes more sense, I yeah. think, logically to go for that goal and then continue from there because once you become a citizen or a resident or whatever you can just move around the EU and um, that's really my end goal is so I can um, travel uh, wherever, wherever I want and be, be a dual citizen and come and go as I please that's really my end goal I don't like to live in Italy um, but so that's kind of why I choose France is just for those more functional reasons yeah and you've got the foundation there not, not that France isn't amazing already too yeah and, you know, France to Italy is uh, a much shorter trip than Wisconsin to Italy. So, you know, once you yeah, get yeah, uh, from A to B, it's a lot closer from B to C than A to C, um, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. In there, you mentioned this magical ferry bus of, uh, <laughs> you know, like yeah. the ease of travel. Yes. Which you and I probably both know is not always the norm. And, in fact, like those difficult days, um, in hindsight end up being some of the best travel stories. Oh, dude. You got, yeah. you got any of those from uh, from this long trip that you had? Oh, man. Um, I, I honestly don't know how to answer that question. This is all pretty... This is all pretty great. Um, can you prompt something? Um, yeah, I'm really good at that sort of thing. Well, yeah, I guess, you know, again... Um, just like when you're speaking um, in hindsight, like from this future reference, looking back on a trip, it all seems pretty good because even the difficult days that you've had, you know, played into the experience and life has its ebbs and flows. And so difficult days lead to, you know, the easy ones when you're just flowing. And so for me, I guess going back to that, uh, you know, that car ride to Oviedo, um, it so happened that I had I had gotten to Ribadeo in Spain, um, continued past the city, was yep. walking along for like four hours, <laughs> and uh, my phone charger, after much um, finessing of it, you know, when you can sort of like tweak a charger, jostle it around a little bit and like still get the juice flowing, um, that was no longer working, my phone died, I lost my map, 
the next town was like hours away and I had to backtrack. So in that time, like walking back four hours somewhere I had just been when the goal is to go forward, like that was very frustrating for me in the moment. Whereas in the mean, like today, you know, it's a great story to tell and I can look back at it fondly. Um, for you, is there anything that, uh, we're going to wait a sec, uh, coming up on the end of the second quarter here, the Packers are driving, but, um, is there anything you can recall where, you know, maybe traveling in between cities or something of that regard, you had a difficult time that you now look back on and kind of laugh about it? There are two things that come to mind. Choose one of them. We can go to the second one if we need to. Let's do, let's do it. We got all the time in the world. Okay. All right. So the first thing um, is uh, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but I'm gonna I'll go into a lot more detail. I'll I'll get excited about it, you know, and as as it is with when you're passionate about traveling. But, uh, so uh, when I left uh, the monastery in central France called Tizay. Oh yeah. You know. It's a it's a freaking it's an awesome place. It's like uh, right, we're, we're getting handed more shots now. We are. Tell Cheers. Shots. <laughs> shots. To our survival. Mm. Oh, you really gotta right. dig around in there. Um, I'm not gonna lie, that's the first Jello shot that I've ever done in my life. And was it delicious? It was great. Woo. Watch out. We're recording a podcast. Yeah, I know. Yeah. All right. <laughs> As you were saying, yes, I'm in the middle of uh, a story. And where and where was I? Oh yeah, so I was just like I was just leaving today. And it's such a and this really goes to like how like public transportation in Europe is. <laughs> Man, this is the best episode ever. <laughs> Public transportation in Europe. Yes, yes, thank you. Uh, Like, public transportation in in, in France in particular is just kind of nuts. Because whereas in Wisconsin, we don't have any public buses that go to, like, Sparta. And then, like, up to Cataract and all that shit. I mean, they got one of those buses every day. Like, one a day anywhere in the country. Even, like, in bumfuck Egypt, France, where today is... Just on a hill somewhere, in, in you know, somewhere in South Central France. So I got on, I got in the bus, and I made a lot of really good friends there. Uh, it's, a, it's just a really special place, as, as you know. Um, so I get on the bus, and uh, I make my way to a city south of it, right on the TGV line from Paris to Lyon, a town called Lyon. Uh, sorry, Macon. And uh, I, I got on a Lavla car from from there to Lyon. But this this little period right here is like super transitional. So I know that the first time that I was there, well, the only time I was there, but you know, you've been there twice now. Uh, so after I left to Zay, I asked you, I was like, what was it like when you left to Zay? And <laughs> well, what you did from to Zay was go back into the wilderness, basically. I went to Lyon, which is like an urban city, the second most populated city in France, and so I like had some issues with that. And so I was like, "Chance, like, help me, like, how do you cope with this?" Because I don't know, have you ever talked about Tizay before on the podcast? You know, I think only in passing. Um, I've never really gone into detail, dude. I would, I would love to do that. That's like, it's, it's a super special place for like so many reasons. But 
but I'll, I'll keep on track for now for sure. We'll double back to it. Yes, yes. And um, so switching from the, the lifestyle there, you know, where you pray three times a day and you have, you know, some sort of labor that you have to perform um, and, and all the people you meet and there's like tea time and stuff and you meet or you, you have to eat and they have to like wash up afterwards and very, very simple and like really awesome like way to live, frankly. Um, but going from that to a city was like kind of a shock big shock plus when I went to Lyon I got mugged so <laughs> no kidding dude this is the first that I've heard of that <laughs> yeah man so, uh, so I uh, needless to say I was like kind of having some some anxiety about being in the big city because okay. I was just in this monastery and then I go to Lyon and I get mugged by some people um so I mean I honestly after that happened I spent like three straight days without leaving the hostel I'd go down to the bar in the hostel, and I'd drink, and I'd journal. I journaled a lot in that time. I felt I was in the tail end of filling up my second journal at that point, actually. Um, I wrote a lot when I was there, and so did you. So, yeah, I mean, after, after that all happened, I sort of, like, started seeing this girl. Uh, when I first got to uh, uh, Europe... Like the, the second or third day that I was there, actually, because I landed in Dublin, went to Liverpool immediately, um, and that and that is honestly just a whole other fucking story, um, <laughs> as it is. Um, but right right about this time when I got to Lyon, this girl that I met and spent a good amount of time with is like giving me the cold shoulder and shit and stuff like that. And so I'm like having a, a really hard time because I'm dealing with like a form of heartbreak at least. I mean, I'm not going to say I was in love with someone that I just met, but like it was a very intense, like uh, like short amount of time. It was, it was really great. For sure. Um, and then I got mugged. So like my time in Lyon was pretty fucking horrible. I ended up leaving that city... You know, maybe I'll go back one day and have a good time there. But like, and I actually am currently looking at places there. Uh, it's just the market's a little bit more reasonable. Uh, but uh, so after so after that, uh, it was on my way to the Italian Riviera, and that was uh, the, the Cinque Terre National Forest or National Park. I keep on saying National Forest. I don't, I don't know why. Is there a forest? <laughs> Not really. We have national forests here because we have so many beautiful areas, I guess. Yeah. So we have some national parks that are designated lake shores yeah. and forests, I, I guess. But anyway, so I'm on my way there. Um, from the moment that I left today, it's important to, to note this in case I forget it at some point. Uh, the moment that I left today, the, from then until I go to Venice, I'm like in non-English speaking territory. I am completely unable to communicate with any Italian speaker or any other language for that matter because there are so many in Europe. Or, I mean, I can speak pretty darn good French but if someone speaks really fast to me then I do not know what the fuck they're saying. Uh, so so I just need, it's important to note that. So I leave Lyon, get on my train because I bought a train pass. Um, I got myself a first class train pass. Um, which uh, wasn't exactly worth it. <laughs> we can talk about that later too. Um, I get on, I get on the train and I um, I ended up getting off in Turin, which is an Italian town uh, near the mountains. Uh, the train just like stops after a certain point, and the app that I was using to try to gauge where I was and when I was supposed to stop was kind of finicky, so. It just stopped after a certain point, and 
I, I really um, so stop in Turin the next morning. Oh, it was, it was a great time, by the way. Like I just my first time in Italy at this point. Um, I just I walked from the train station to the hotel that I stayed at, and it was just so awesome hearing Italian like in the flesh, real for real. And um, what little Italian I knew, I could speak with them, and it was it was really awesome. So then the next day, I got on the train. I went through Milan. And then I went to this place called La Spezia, which is uh, one of the train stations at either end of the Cinque Terre National Park. And um, but I guess uh, from from there I, I ended up going to Venice. I was supposed to go to Rome and then down to Naples, but I, I met a girl actually, and we went to Venice together. Um, Wait, another girl? <laughs> well, well, yeah, I mean. Uh, yeah, it's on a trip of a lifetime. So just, it goes. You just kind of like take what comes your way. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. Uh, you know, call the fucking police. I went to Venice because a girl wanted me to go to Venice with her. Like, you gotta. How do you say no to that? Yeah. Like, you know what? I wanted to go to Rome, but had a really great time in the Cinque Terre with her. But uh, the point of all of this story is to set up like this, this like lesson that came from like a so-called hardship which is um, on the train from Lyon to, uh, to Turin. I was on an overnight train, and there were a bunch of what I think was French teenagers. And, you know, teenagers are fucking loud as shit. And, but on the trains in Europe, you're allowed to just, like, drink on the train. I think you're encouraged, actually. You know, I mean, so, for fuck's sake, I mean, it's, this is a really awesome place. <laughs> and... Um, so they were just being super fucking loud and drinking whiskey right, or drinking vodka right out of the bottle or whatever. And uh, they were keeping me up. But, like, it was a really, really special moment for me because I was so lonely. And, I, and at this point, just to try to keep the continuity, I think it's important to point out that this is me coming all the way back and answering your question. I, In that moment, I was so alone. Like, I was looking out the window, and it was completely black. I look inside of the train, and there's a bunch of teenagers that see right through me, drinking tequila. Sorry, I keep on making up liquors. They were drinking vodka. They were drinking Smirnoff, because that's probably cheap over there, I guess. I don't know. And they were yelling at each other because they were drunk. And I'm just sitting there. I'm just writing in my journal. And I had this epiphany that really kind of, like, changed my life. Um, I know it sounds cliche. You get it. Anyone else that has done a trip like that understands that it is super cliche, but it's also totally legit when you go and do something like that. You just learn stuff. Yeah. Whatever you learn is is non-specific, but if you do something like that, you're going to learn some really important parts about yourself and about life, and that's super cliche. I get it. No, it's cliche for a reason, though. You know, cli- I mean, any cliche is cliche because it's true. Like, people have experienced it. And I think for you to say, honestly, like, I'm inspired hearing you say taking a trip like that, like, learning things about yourself, I, I couldn't sum it up any better. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't qualify it with the cliche at all. Like, whatever, uh, whatever you learned or felt, like, I think that's totally genuine and you just got to embrace it. That's fair. I guess I say that because I feel like there's some sort of, uh, there's some sort of cliche that exists that, like, oh, American people, we need to go to Europe and backpack and then your life is going to improve. Like, are you familiar with that? Like, I totally thought that that was like a, like a cliche thing to do. I think that's true. 
and even as far back from what I've heard and learned, um, even as far back as like the 60s and 70s, people taking these trips to India and like going to monasteries and doing the whole thing. Even even if there are many people embarking on similar journeys, um, the individual lessons are still authentic. Um, and you know, Jack, it's just like you said, like for everyone, the things that you learn are going to be different. Um, and so while there may be a cliche about leaving home, um, and embarking on a journey, like the hero's quest, if you will, um, yeah, you know, that's, that's something that's repeatedly come up over time, but there's definitely a reason for it, which is why it's a cliche in the first place. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like you said, uh, yeah, I, I think you're right. Sure, but, um, it's, yeah, it's like the individual, uh, the individual wisdom, like, yeah, I mean, that's always going to be legit, as long as it's genuine. But, um, this, this particular lesson would be, I'm, I wrote this in my journal, I have it somewhere, I'd have to go find it, but I wrote this big piece about what was kind of going on around me and what I was feeling, basically what I'm saying right now, and I just, like, just sort of realized that people are what traveling is about, um, because, you know, the people you meet along the way just make the trip so much more worth it, everything just gets ten times as good if you meet people along the way and there are lots of fun to, to be around and, and to talk to, and, um, but then, but what is stopping life from being, or people, like, people are, what traveling is about. Like, there's no argument about that. Anyone that's done traveling knows that. But what's stopping people from being what life is about? Well, can you think of anything? I, I certainly can't think of anything. Other than people? Yeah, people is what life is, is about. And that's something I learned right then and there on that train when I was lonely and freshly mugged and <laughs> you know, like I learned I learned that so hard right then and there as I was surrounded by all those noisy non-English speaking teenagers and, uh, yeah like people are what life is about what is stopping that um, what is stopping people from being what life is about what's different between that and traveling I don't think that it is it's, it's what life is all about and to that point, one consistent takeaway that I've had from the trips that I've taken is that people are people wherever you go. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, when you when you are sticking around your hometown, um, settling into, into a routine day in and day out, um, there is this sort of alienation that occurs um, when you're hearing about other countries through the news, these generalizations about people and places that you know nothing about. But when you travel, you realize that while language differs, while culture differs to, you know, whatever extent that it does, and I think with globalization, a lot of places are becoming more homogenous, for better or worse, in certain ways. Sure. Um, Yeah, people are people wherever you go, and mostly people want the same thing which is to to love and to be loved and you know to pursue some kind of passion yeah. um, to find some fulfillment from life people like to be loyal everywhere 100% people are people everywhere like yeah absolutely absolutely yeah. it doesn't matter if you don't speak the same language and you and I have experienced that here because when we used to when we, when we were first going to go on our trip together 
we were trying to learn how to play soccer so we could make friends when we went to Europe together. That's true. And what we ended up doing was playing soccer with some people um, in our hometown, or my hometown, uh, lacrosse. <clears throat> and and all these people were Hmong. There's like a Hmong population here. And, that, and that's, that's another story and onto itself why that is. But, and we got to learn like a decent amount about their culture and stuff and it's super awesome. And they welcomed us in with like open arms and they fed us, they gave us beer, we played soccer together, you know, they gave us pointers and stuff. It was the fucking life, man. Yeah, they they let us in their New Year's tournament. Like that was sick. <laughs> Why did they do that? And we that? sucked. Oh my gosh. We I think we each played for like five <laughs> minutes each. Yes, after but, we knew we were gonna win the game. Yeah, <laughs> I mean but even then like I mean what a thing to be a part of. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, it's just something that you can even notice in your hometown, potentially, where um, these people, like, invited us over. You remember the celebration, like, um, for the tournament? Because we placed, like, what, third or second or something like that? I think third. Third? Yeah. We had, like, a little shindig at one of their houses. The entire time, I'm just sitting there just, like, looking at people speaking Hmong and maybe even another language. I couldn't distinguish between them. But, like... It was obvious that they appreciated me trying to, just putting in the effort to, to be loyal to their team. And, like, they just, like, they get it. They're like, yeah, like, we're going to, you know, we're going to stick it out for you. Like, loyalty is also a universal thing. I know I'm kind of, like, rambling at this point, but, like. Yo, that's what podcasts are for. I can, just ramble on. I, ramble I can, on. Yeah. So when you said, like, people are people everywhere, I'm just like, yes, yes, even right here. With, with this this, uh, this minority of people that are here for like kind of a really sad reason, but I mean, I mean, even though, even then, like oftentimes, really tough situations breed things like loyalty to the people that have to go through it with you too. It was really cool that I was able to experience that here. Like those people, they taught me something. You know? I, I, dude, honestly, I wish I wish that I could continue to play soccer with them, but um, I've got a I've got a bad hip, honestly. So. Not really, uh, not really meant to be a physical person, I guess. Hey, no, no, no. I think, uh, I mean, like, this is a tangent for sure, but, you know, <laughs> following my own words, like, that's what podcasts are <laughs> yeah, for. Yeah, I mean, like, whatever physical ailment you're dealing with, um, you know, movement is probably good for it, like, to a certain extent. To a certain extent. Yeah, you, you can't push it too far, but, I mean, if, like... <laughs> If you're feeling something in your hip, man, I'd say, like, stretch it out, work it out. Like, you know, you don't want to become, like, desk-ridden for the rest of your life. No, um, no, I, I do not want... I mean, I already fucking hate, like, what I kind of have to go through. Like, I, like uh, the, the town that I grew up in, Lacrosse here, is... Um, there are three colleges, and, like, everyone likes to run here. I mean, like, the UWL campus... Like, their thing is physical education. Like, that's what, like, that college is known for. So everybody's, like, always running around. I look at all these, these beautiful people, and I'm just, like, like, I'm just, like, sad because I can't do that anymore. Like, potentially ever, actually. And it doesn't matter how much I stretch or anything. It's, it's really sad. It makes me feel like a bird got its wings clipped off just for wanting to fly. I mean, because the reason... Damn. Specifically, wanting to fly, I use those words very carefully because the, how I got injured, it wasn't some soccer incident where I got, like, smashed really hard or fell on some concrete or some shit like that. So we're currently at this bar. I used to live just, um, uh, you know, like 
five minute walk from here or something like that. Yeah, we've made that walk a few times. We've made that walk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's like, oh, Chance, where'd you get that football from? <laughs> so, uh, so I live over here, and then kind of uh, behind us to the north, uh, there's another bar called Petticoat Junction. Another really cool little spot. Um, so I ran from my house, and this is like one of the greatest runs I've ever get, went on. Like, I was just you know, you wake up one morning and you're just like filled with energy. You're like, I can do anything. Like it was one of those days. So I ran all the way there. It took me 30 minutes all the way there. It's it's like three miles or something like that. I turned I turned around and uh, it was right when I turned around when I started feeling this pain. But I didn't think of it at the time because I was pushing my body really hard. So I turned around and then I came back same distance it took seven minutes and 30 seconds 31 seconds actually off of that time i turned around and i just fucking ate it i didn't like i looked down at my watch because i got one of these gps watches that keeps track of pace and heart rate and all that shit kept on glancing down at my watch i'm like oh shit like i'm 10 seconds slower a mile it's time to kick it the fuck off like i was i was just getting it all the while I had no idea that I was potentially injuring myself for life by running at this pace. Uh, and, that's, and that's sadly what it looks like. Um, so I got back. I was on top of the world. I did my lap around the cul-de-sac that I lived in. Took my shirt off. Went down to the beach and was just like, all right, you know, this is my, my, war- my cool-down ritual. So I'm like, all right, I'll go shower or whatever. I give myself a day to rest. And then my workout regimen was uh, I got to run again the day after rest. So... I do. I, um, I start down the path, and not even like a hundred feet in, I'm just like, dude. Every time I put my right foot down, I got this like shooting pain up in my hip. I'm like, shit, what the fuck did I do? So I walk back. I go to the doctor. Like ten thousand dollars later, I don't even know how many doctors. You say ten thousand dollars later? Ten thousand dollars later. <laughs> right now, like the only thing that is different is that they stuck needles into my hip to try to like suck out some lubrication fluid and they replaced it with some cortisone. And they just stick me a couple of different times, like all the way into the hip joint. It was a very strange feeling having something like on the inside of you like digging around. Yo, is that dry needling? No, I've had dry needling to try to fix this and this is some of the money of the $10,000 I'm talking about. Like, no, dry needling is awesome, but it's not... That doesn't necessarily help skeletal problems. Mm. I mean, that's all about muscles. So, I mean, dry needling was great. I mean, talk about you know, maxing out on flexibility. Like, dry needling is, is awesome. Have you done it before? No, my dad has. Um, I haven't personally. I guess, like, the closest I've come um, is a TENS unit, uh, transcutaneous electrical nerve stimulation. Um I, yeah, I have not personally experienced it, but I've got some familiarity with it. Sure, yeah. It's a, it's kind of a strange sensation. I mean, you get poked with, with a couple of really, really fine needles, and, like, your, 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 your whatever muscle it's poked into, it just, like, it just, like, flexes. Yeah. Just, it's, but you just sit there. You're not actually doing it. It just does it by itself. It's, it's fucking weird. But for whatever reason, doing that loosens it up more than anything I've ever done in my entire life, like, by far. It's almost like you can extend your joint further, like, afterwards. It's, it's weird. But no, so I did that actually three times. Uh, <laughs> that, didn't, that didn't work. I mean, it definitely works for what it does. 
but it had nothing to do with the, the potentially. I mean, they still don't know exactly. No, they they have more shit they still want to do to try to figure it out. I journeyed with Christmas wrapper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what is the deal with all of these gifts? Who are these for? Yes, let's change stuff. Okay, you talk, please. That's pretty nice. Um, well, I mean, I don't. Uh, we can we can change topics, but I I would like to say, you know, you're young, you've got time. Um, yeah. Like you said, you know, we're in a city where uh, most students are studying something within health services, um, yeah. and the technology available to us for health is only going to continue to improve over the course of our lifetimes. So I wouldn't write yourself off too quickly in terms of this That's fair. of this hip. Um, but uh, switching gears, you had said that you had two stories about difficult times traveling. Um, yes. I just want to double back to the other one really quickly. Okay, sure, yeah. Um, so the second thing, I mean, there's probably more if I really just like thought about it. I mean, been occupied telling stories. So. But off the top of your head. Off the top of my head. And the second thing that I referenced earlier was um, like... Honestly, just this this Liverpool girl, like that's a whole story on itself. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> but um, so right about the time I got to Lyon, she started giving me the cold shoulder or whatever. Yeah. That continued all the way until I got to Venice, where like it was. I mean, after weeks and weeks of not hearing from someone, and when they you do hear from them, it's really like non-specific. It's just like oh shit, like we're we're done, like yeah, like whatever. Um, so the second thing was basically like getting over that heartbreak while on my vacation solely because I owe it to myself not to let it get to me. That's in a nutshell the second thing. Um, there was there was one time in particular where I was sitting down on a couch at the hostel. My friend Claire, I'm actually I'm going to go visit her in Madrid. Like that's the girl. I'm going to visit Claire in a couple weeks. In Madrid, but um, she in a couple of weeks, yeah, like like two weeks from now. No, like two and a half weeks from now. I'm going to Madrid. Yeah, what? <laughs> yeah, dude, you've got the bug bad. Oh man, you've got the travel bug. Listen, whoever is listening to this right now, you need to know that traveling is the coolest fucking thing there is in all of the world, and it doesn't matter if you tried traveling <laughs> and didn't like it. You, like you didn't like it for a specific reason and once you understand that specific reason it all makes sense it's all awesome all the time every even like I, we've talked about this I got mugged I that was that was part of me traveling and it was still the greatest experience life goes possible on. yeah just had to throw that out there yeah Can, oh, where were we now uh heartbreak oh Madrid. yes yes so uh, Claire lives in Madrid now I'm gonna go visit her uh, in a couple weeks, January 14th. I think it's like a Tuesday I'm flying out, so I'm going to be there on the 15th. Um, but the, the, the reason I talk about Claire is because she's just like a really special person where every everybody's different and everyone will find different things in different people. Uh, no, matter, no matter what they are, it's, it's always different. It's always different. It depends on who you are. Claire, for me, is just like such a good soul. She's just like a solid like human being. She's just this cute, short French woman, and she's just, just exquisite. So just having her <laughs> around just made me just feel better about like whatever it was. I I can tell the story of how we met, but I won't. 
just know that like her being around she was like an anchor human she like kept me from well she just kept me happy just I love spending time with her that's really all I'm trying to say she was seated next to me or on the next couch just working because she works remote Lucky, good for her by the way yeah, that's the best gig ever is yeah, working remotely. Yeah. You're telling me I can go to Europe and just work there and like live there and work remote from anywhere, dude? Oh my that's God. the American dream, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it fucking should be. Yeah. <laughs> work remote in Europe. It's just, that's the best thing. So, um, this one particular moment is when I had kind of this realization where like, I'm not going to let this affect me, whatever. So, having to deal with this made me really, really anxious. Um, you kind of know that I kind of deal with that. It's just like part of who I am. Um, so, I'm no stranger to it, but sometimes it's kind of overwhelming. And uh, I think there are probably a lot of people out there like that. Um, but, so I'm sitting on this couch and like, I, this wave of anxiety comes over me. And it's one... 150% triggered by this woman just kind of like dragging me through the mud and I'm over here like she's not communicating I'm like what what the fuck's going on and um, I can I can actually tell you after, like later exactly what was going on I, I know the truth now but at the time I'm just like being dragged along and so I at this very moment I was like convincing myself that I needed to go over it right there right there and right then and uh, this wave of anxiety came over me like like, I was seeing red. I was so, like, upset. And I just sat there on the couch in Venice, and I got over it. It took me, like, about half hour, 45, half hour, 45 minutes or something like that. <laughs> Sorry, something just happened on the TV, and everyone got loud. So I just, you know, I just repeat that part. Um, I was just, like, seeing red, and I was just so upset. And uh, I just, I wrote it all down. And, and you could, um I think I actually have that journal in my car. I can show you that very entry. Please do. It's like one page worth of me having an anxiety attack that made me want to like end my life. I was so upset about this and just I was just taking it all in. There's a certain point though, and this is kind of like the the, the, the the crux of the issue where I just had to give, give in to it. And I, I honestly told myself, I was like, all right, I can't do anything to resist this this anxiety I'm just gonna let it all in let it run its course and that's gonna be that I mean cause life, life is all about like, taking things and trying to make positive things out of them um, or at least that's a good way to live um, and that's another thing I kind of learned from that but uh, eventually it just kinda did go away I remember it very distinctly where it was almost like I was coming off of some weird like drug where I was like coming back to consciousness or being regular and I was sweating profusely and like after that I was honestly just mentally prepared to just dismiss all of the hurt that I was kind of having like given to me by this girl like like being really really like vague and non-specific and kind of dragging me along sort of thing um, say so that would be the second thing that would be the second thing where I just sort of mentally just blocked this out, moved right on past it, and there was that that one moment where I I know that it happened right then and there. Yo, that's powerful stuff, and I want to double back to, to say, but first, I mean, you mentioned anxiety, 
which I've dealt with, and I think anyone listening has dealt with um, oh, yeah. in their own way. You yeah. know, it it, yeah. uh, it affects everyone differently. Yeah, it affects everyone differently. It affects most people. And I'm wondering if there are any tools you can share in terms of of dealing with that. Um, to summarize what you just said in this experience, Absolutely. what what have you learned in terms of dealing with anxiety when it does creep into your life like that? That is a excellent question. It just so happens. I mean, I consider myself to be an expert in that subject. Like, there, I guess there's like three things I have to say. Number one is uh, that little experience I just had that I just laid out, kind of like word for word what I was feeling. Um, that that was a choice. That was a choice that I made. I made the choice to not let it get to me. Well, I made the choice to let it get to me and get over it. I did, but I all did it in one sitting. One sitting of like a half hour. I was I was on top. Of, I was back on top of the world right after that. Um, so I guess yeah, make make choices. Make choices to uh, to to not let it control you. Uh, second thing would be. So we're in a Packer bar right now. And the Packers. How far was that? Is that like forty yards? Yeah, that was an interception. Oh, that was an interception. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, there's a Vikings fan on the screen just like, oh man, what the heck? He's looking pretty distraught. <laughs> oh no, yeah, yeah, for sure. So the second Yo, thing... Yo, there's still a lot of game left though. We'll oh, see what happens, Okay, folks. okay. If you say so. <laughs> this is this a home game or a away game? No, this is in Minneapolis. Okay, so it's an away game. For you, for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then the second thing would be um, a technique that I have found helps. It doesn't always solve it. It's not always easy, but it helps me. I um I have like a to-do list of like all the things. It's like a master list of things that I need to do. And it ranges from things regarding getting my visa to cleaning my car to um, like taking my dog for more walks. Like every anything. Anything and everything can go on this list. And whenever you're having that depressive episode or anxious episode, look at that list and just force yourself to chip away at it. Um, it might take you, you know, like four or five hours to do one of the things. Cool, do it. You know, maybe it's like a bunch of little things. Get them all done. And like somewhere between starting them and finishing them, your mind is going to kind of like switch back to being not that way again. That's something that I kind of use to get over my own anxiety. And the third thing, and I think, I think those first two things are pretty good. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. This third thing is like better than both of those things. Let's hear it. Like combined, it's like the, the easiest way I think to get over your problems. If your problems are anxiety, um, it's just you need to understand that the world is very large. And you, this, I'm I, I'm going to apologize ahead of time if this offends anyone, but I think that you need to not be selfish. And, and understand that there are so many more things out there than you on this planet. And so when you think about it like that, for, for me at least, I'm just like, yeah, like there's a whole fucking world out there. Me, my own life, you know, I'm like worried about this girl dumping me in, in Liverpool. Like, oh my God, there's so much more that the world has to offer. Am I really that selfish that I'm going to let that get to me? I don't know if I'm doing a really good job explaining this, but uh, for me at least, it is definitely the more of the powerful 
uh, ways that I get over my own anxiety. It's just like, yeah, it's just like a problem. It's just a problem that I have. I'm just a puny little human being in, in a fucking little town in, in America. Like, if, if I really let this little thing get to me, then I get, you know, I, I owe it to myself not, not to, like not to. Everyone owes it to themselves not to let little things like that get to them. Yeah, I hope that makes sense. You know, I will say that you're making perfect sense. Um, I think that you shared some great tips. And in terms of that third one, yeah, I mean, man, that is so meaningful. And, and, and maybe maybe the reason I think this is because like I have done a good amount of traveling. Like I would never have came to that conclusion if I would have stayed in my hometown. Never. I never would have thought had those series of conclusions. Like if I if I stayed in La Crosse, Wisconsin, never. I had to travel to find that out. Which speaks again just to the power of travel. But I will Ooh, say, yeah. like, yeah. not only is the world expansive, but time is just so like impossibly expansive. If you think over the course of human history, like the problems that people have faced in their own conscious, like individual lifetimes, it, it really puts your your own problems into perspective. Yes. And it is true that all that we have is our own perspective and because of that you know your problems are valid but you also got to know that there there is always a way to overcome them yes because always. i mean if there weren't if if there wasn't a way to overcome human problems like this species would not exist right now in the year 2019 like coming up on on 2020 like we've come a long way like people are continually finding a way to overcome the issues that they face both individually and collectively as societies um and yeah i I think that's a that's a really powerful message that you shared regarding um just zooming out to the bigger picture and recognizing good good words zooming out yeah you see how small it is yo and, and even for me like i i had one experience in germany this past summer where you know i was feeling seemingly the weight of the world crashing down on me but i mean i broke open the old notebook and uh i mean whenever anxiety strikes it seems like my handwriting kind of goes to shit but like <laughs> oh 100 percent. i got through it to be a good journal yeah no, yeah but... i got through the the scribbling and the scrawls and like a few <laughs> yeah. deep breaths and yeah like i i worked through it and um yeah i, I think that that's really potent advice is that um you know anytime you are feeling um, the world sort of constrict around you. You just got to zoom it out. Like, you know, everyone is dealing with similar problems. Yeah. And I mean, like, that's, really that's that... Good. That's a good translation. Like, yeah. I, I've never been good at being very specific in, like, detail. Like, oh, that, I think you are. That's... You're selling yourself short. <laughs> but, man, I just got to say, like, that that also ties into what you said about travel and the, the importance of meeting people and what yes. we were talking about. Like, people are people wherever you go because, like... You meet people, you realize that they've all they're they're all dealing with these insecurities and these anxieties and I think that's that's really liberating to realize you and I, Jack, are not the only ones dealing with these problems and neither are the listeners, you know? Like uh, yeah, everyone's got their own shit to deal with and and that's what we're gonna do, you know? We're gonna overcome and just take it one day at a time. I mean and life is better when you overcome. I mean that's that's all I have to say. I mean, 
you, t- you turn this like the, the the recorder is on a can because we're in a noisy place. Yeah, we're you currently turn. spinning this recorder back and forth on a can of White Claw that um, one of the bartenders put on the table. Yes, it was a uh, it was on my can of beer, uh, this toppling Goliath, but she very considerately place it on her empty can of White Claw. (laughs) So the the, the can of White Claw was turned towards me in that very moment, but all I had to say was, yes, life is better when you can overcome your problems. Yeah. Yes, that's that's what I would do. And then one thing that I do want to to come back to is Tizay. Man, what is your, what was your impression of Tizay? Oh my god. And specifically for those listening, can you give any sort of recommendation to visit um, if they've got any interest in doing so. Um, Why might people want to check that out? I can absolutely do that. I'm I'm kind of like wondering how to to best position it because not everyone is a Christian. Um, But what I would say is um, I went there and I met Jews. I met Muslims. Actually, at this Christian monastery, I met an a- one, just one, but he was an atheist. Yo, which is a correction that I have to, to offer up right now. It's actually not a Christian monastery. Oh, oh okay. Although it is predominantly Christian, to okay. say it's an ecumenical monastery, meaning of all faiths. So oh, whereas shit. you, you know, when you go to these prayers... I'm sorry. There are... <laughs> no, don't be sorry. I totally misspoke. I, I mean, thought it was a Christian monastery this whole time. No, like, no. for years, I thought it was a Christian monastery. I mean, it's a, it's an easy mistake to make because... More, right. more football. Yeah, the yeah. Packers just scored. Um, we're going we're gonna to wait this out a second. Um... When, so when you attend prayer, there are passages taken um, mostly from the New Testament, I would yeah, say, of the, the Christian Bible. Yeah. 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 Um, and the, the, the monks at this monastery, the brothers, um, are all Christian. They're not... Uh, they accept people of all faiths in that it is an ecumenical monastery. Yeah, and I think that speaks to... An important truth, which is, you know, the Gospels, whether you believe in uh, God or Jesus or whatnot, um, they have wisdom to offer up. And I I think that that's what's at the heart of today, is that there's wisdom that can be gleaned from... Packers just got the two-point conversion. Oh, Um, (laughs) fuck it. Oh, Packers are in the lead, too. Oh, my God. Yeah, they just went up 17-10 in the third. Um, but yeah, Ecumenical Monastery, and I'll let you continue okay, on yes. now. Thank you for uh, making that distinction. That is so important because, I mean, I, I will still say the same exact things that I was going to say, but now it's it's going to be better because you clarified that. Um, so, I mean, like I said, I met people that weren't Christian there, but I met people that were many, many different faiths there. Um, honest, honest to God, like I have a friend that lives in Afghanistan, and his name is Nimat or Nimat. I'm not really sure how it's pronounced. For some reason, he's he's an Afghanistani guy that speaks French fluently. I don't, and I was unable to figure out how he did this or why. But I mean, I got a friend, a Muslim. I got a Muslim friend that lives in Afghanistan, and I met some Jews, a couple of Jews. There was there was one atheist though. I just 
it's like the biggest thing that I want to point out because I think a lot of people nowadays don't believe in anything, which is totally fine. Totally fine. I, myself, I used to be an atheist. Like very recently is when I decided that I wanted to be a Christian. It was a, it's a personal choice. Personal choice for everybody. I don't want this to be about religion. So I'm trying to be very like uh, like general. I'm trying to make a disclaimer here. But basically what I'm just trying to say is... Speaking from your experience. Yes, I'm, I'm just speaking from my experience. Thank you for that. You're, you're a good translator. My, my rambles, chance is the dictionary here. <laughs> <laughs> so so um, uh, this one atheist, I was... I was I was eating dinner with him and a couple other people. Uh, we got to eat first because those who get to eat first, uh, they have to clean up afterwards to incentivize people to clean up afterwards. It sounds fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just the way life is there, you know. And he was an atheist, and I was just like, "Hold up!" Like, and I was, I asked him, I was like, "Can I ask you a question?" He's like, "Yeah." And I'm over here like, "What the fuck is this guy doing here? He's an atheist." But this remember this entire time I thought it was a Christian monastery <laughs> I was wrong but um, I asked him I was like what are you doing here what are you doing at this monastery I wasn't being like like hostile at all not that I, I for sure for I didn't sure. I didn't think that I was but it's very easy to, to be that way when it comes to these kind of like big issues um, and, and he was just like I, you know honestly I, I come here and I, I don't think of it as prayer. I think of it as singing songs with some new friends that I've made. When I go to Bible study, I don't think about it as Bible study. I think about it as having a meaningful discussion with people that believe different things than me. This dude fucking blew my mind. I was like, dude, everyone should be like this, this atheist. <laughs> I mean, because every, every religious person should be that way too. Whether you believe in any religion or not, you should be accepting of other people and you should be willing to see things through their lens. You know what I mean? Because he's an atheist at a religious like sort of place. And it's, well, I mean, even if it's a, a place that believes in everything or however you said it, he's he's the odd one out. I mean, he. I mean, everyone there is was, that I met at least was one of a couple of different religions. Yeah. But he was there. And it was just so inspiring because, I mean, that's 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 what I would inspire to be. That's and I think that's an important thing to be accepting and willing to have a meaningful discussion with people that disagree with you. I mean, even if it's someone that doesn't politically agree with you, it is way more productive to talk to somebody rather than disagree. I mean, like you can disagree, but if you still talk to them, you you find greater truth, and that is just. That guy, that, that atheist blew my fucking mind. Like, that is so important because that also bleeds heavily into politics, I think, um, where, I mean, if you're willing to listen to anyone, you kind of, like, learn more. But if you, as soon as you hear one buzzword, you think that person is an awful person or, like, an idiot, then you immediately discount any good ideas they had, any, any good things at all that they might have. Uh, so that was, like... That's like a big thing that I would say about today is that because I mean that's I just think that's so important. But honestly, yeah. um, there's so with that being said, whatever your religious beliefs are, whether there is or there isn't, like you should definitely go to this place. Like everyone on the face of the planet should go to this place. If you have an ounce of goodness in your heart, you should go to this place. <laughs> like 
it's just a what I mean I'll be totally honest like I like I said like a little bit ago I, I grew up as an atheist I became a Christian pretty recently in, in my life and I'm 26 so I mean I'm, I'm basically an adult now you've been around the block I've been around the block I, I'm basically an adult now and I, and I very recently decided to be a Christian so things like prayer are super weird to me to this day I don't pray very often because it is like strange to me it's, it's like talking to a chair or some shit like that and so like on, and honest to god it took me like two probably two days to get rid to, to get rid of that like inhibition and actually you know two days is not all that long in the grand scheme of things though you got over that exactly. pretty quick <laughs> I did exactly <laughs> exactly man. and so I mean because I mean, I'll go to prayer and I'll be like this this is awful like I, I really actually really quite not like having a good time here um, but then I got I got to see it in the way that I wanted to, and, and I got used to the routine, and it was wonderful. It was an extremely peaceful way to live, and it is, it is, and it's and it was great. You know, there's never any complications to your day. You know, you wake up, eat a very simple breakfast, prayer, Bible study, lunch, prayer, work, free time, tea time, dinner, uh, clean up, prayer, like go to bed, like. It sounds, it. it sounds like a pretty like rigorous schedule. Like I get it, but what's up? Caitlin, open the shed last. Oh, okay. Sorry. Another sorry, guest sorry, appearance. Sorry. Another guest appearance. Yes. <laughs> but I mean, it sounds like kind of a like a so-called like rigorous schedule and stuff. But honestly, it's 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 not necessarily even a schedule. It's just kind of the way life is, and you don't think of it that way. It's and it's wonderful. So. When it finally comes like to be like four or five o'clock and they're rolling out the big kettle of tea, everybody flocks around and everybody is so accepting of other people. You make so many friends, make so many meaningful connections. I mean, it's just a fucking wonderful place. I met, oh my gosh, before I left the States, I had like a, like a handful of pretty good friends. I got to Dizay and I was very quickly... Um, on like a similar level with with some random strangers, some German people, a French guy, and um, not that it's a competition or you know who's a better friend or not, but I mean when you're out to Zay, things are are kind of magical, and I, I still talk to those those people to this day. Um, I actually um, the, the, so there are three people in my Bible study: uh, Nelly, Kari, and Nora, and so we have like a group chat on WhatsApp. Shout out to WhatsApp. Dude, WhatsApp for the win. It's, it's it's invaluable. Like it's if you want to text or call anyone that isn't in your same country, like you need it. I mean, I, I use it every day. You use it every day too, right? You know, um, just about until recently, I didn't have notifications on, so people would message me and I wouldn't <laughs> see them for a day. Um, but I I've got notifications on. I use WhatsApp on a daily basis now. Yes. Um, and so, uh, before I left Tizay, we made this little group so we could stay in touch. So, long story short, Tizay is the shit. I'll stand by that. It is the place. Like, everybody, like, go there. Please go there. Make sure you're prepared to, like, have a kind of relaxing time. Definitely. Yo, um, an addendum that I'll add to that. Um, you mentioned routine in there, Jack. Yeah. And, uh... I guess on this podcast, I've you know I've got a pretty limited amount of talking about myself and my own experiences as these these have all been interviews so far. 
So I really only discuss my own travels and experiences in the context of, you know, coming up within other conversations. But this past summer in Tizay. So we took a quick uh, lavatory excursion there. Um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna get back to Tizay, but you were just asking about uh, listenership. Um, and shouts out to Charlotte Rose Benjamin because, uh, Jack, to answer your question, like after, I guess, a year and a half hiatus of not podcasting, I had gone to a concert of hers um, with So Far Sounds in Paris. I went with my friend Marty, who's from Australia and runs a publishing company. Super cool guy. Um, hoping to get him on the show one of these days. Uh, and we were sitting, hanging out, and uh, Charlotte really like got me off my ass with this whole thing because we were talking about podcasts, and she said like, "Hey, like I would love to be on your show." Yeah, I was just gonna ask why. So, so yeah, and I was like, "Well, damn, like I guess uh, you know I, I haven't really podcasted in a while, but let's just record it on my phone." Um, I didn't even post it until I got back to the states, but um, it's it sh- I mean, like really, that got the ball rolling and since posting that episode that I recorded with her like I've been consistent in delivering every Tuesday since then um, and and plan to stick with that like t- as much as I'm able to um, I think podcasting is really cool in that like you know I, I have conversations with people anyway especially um, you know talking about travel like all the people that I meet like it's it's great to to have a reason to have these extended conversations. And now, getting back to Suzay, what you were saying about routine, about routine. Uh, before a little break there. Yeah, yeah, routine. Um, I'll jump right back in. But before I do, yeah. I just need to say, like, because I said this to you right before you started rolling again, but, like, it's the truth, man. You should be proud of, like, what you've done. Like, I, I don't think that if I applied myself to a, making a podcast every week that I would be able to get what is it, 385 people on average per episode or, like, 22,000 aggregate. Like, that's super fucking cool, man. That's, like, that's super awesome. Like, I consume a lot of internet content. I know that I wouldn't be able to do that. So it's super cool that you're doing it. So I just want to throw that out there. Um, I really appreciate that. And also shouts out to the to the boys of Hippocampus for bumping up that per average episode. Um... Those were a few uh, popular episodes that I recorded with those guys. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, speaking of routine, you talked about at Tizé. Yeah. So the first week that I spent there this summer, I did in silence. Um, and typically, people spend their time in silence, in reflection, and in prayer. But for me personally, um, anticipating this trip to Paris and the workshop that I was a part of, Um, I went into the experience telling myself, all right, I'm going to write as much as possible. And that still sort of fit the the theme of the week for me because writing has become sort of a secondary mode. Oh my God, more jealous shots. What an angel. Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. And that's the second jealous shot that I've ever done. Um, but I spent this uh, so this week in silence just writing as much as possible editing old material and writing new material in preparation for the workshop and funny enough uh, before going into silence 
the six or seven of us met collectively with one of the brothers at the monastery, and he said something along the lines of, you know, each of you is going to go into silence with different ambitions and emerge with different results. And so for me, that sort of gave the justification of, okay, like, if my ambition going into it is to write, like, then I just better write my ass off. And that's really what I did. And yeah. and honestly, like, settling into that routine, and, you know, oddly enough, like, I started waking up at 4 o'clock in the morning each of those days, which I don't usually do. I mean, I, I've been a morning person for, for quite a while now, but even then, like, I'm talking, like, 6 or 7 a.m., but, like... I would be, like, I mean, from that first day at Tizay, I would set my alarm for, like, 6 o'clock and wake up at, like, 4.30 um, and just woke up, sat down at, at the desk in the room that I had and started writing. And, uh, yeah, and throughout the week, like, that was the case. I just set, started setting the alarm earlier and earlier. Um, but I, I really accomplished more than I expected to or, or thought would be possible. And it, it provided an awesome foundation for the Paris Writing Workshop experience in that I had, you know, revisited a lot of the past works and, and as I said, come up with a lot of new stuff um, in order to discuss with other people. Um, but yeah, I, I think getting that routine, waking up, writing, um, going to morning prayer, having breakfast, some coffee uh, in silence with these other people going back upstairs, writing, going to midday prayer, yeah. having lunch, writing, <laughs> going to eat uh, dinner, an <laughs> evening prayer, coming back, writing. Delicious like, dinner. And I, and yeah, throughout these, uh, these podcasts, like one theme that has come up with these, you know, creative individuals of different, of different backgrounds is that routine can be really helpful in, in accomplishing whatever it is you're setting out to do. That was totally true for me at Tizay, and and as I've said in the time since, like specifically not having access to Wi-Fi, like Jack, I'm sh I'm sure you can attest to this, but like if you want Wi-Fi at Tizay, you have to go to Oyak, which is like this this communal space, and even then you get like a shitty one bar connection. It's like only on one side of the Oyak. Yeah, it's like over by the the back part, you can't go in. And you it's get like, you get it for like 15 minutes and then it like locks you out yes, for 15 minutes. Yes, yes. So you have to sit there and wait and then like get another 15 minutes before yes. getting locked out. Yeah. And yeah, so like for me, man, like just not being able to like go down the black hole of pointless YouTube videos. Man, I got a lot done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's there's, a, there's such a thing as a YouTube black hole. That is a fucking thing, man. No, but it ain't there. Before we come up on the end of the episode, okay. I want to talk to you about journaling. I'm yeah. not sure how much you did prior to your trip, but I want I want to ask you about the role that journaling played in your life on the trip and potentially in the time since returning. I mean, what have you gained from that really simple but meaningful process of writing with, with pen on paper? First thing, first thing that comes to mind, it's free and when you like want to travel it costs a lot of money it's a good way to pass the time um, it's, it's entertainment uh, as it as it were um, but it's it's also just like kind of like a healthy activity especially if you do it over like a longer period of time 
uh, because yeah, because then you can go back and look at that entire like three year period of your life, and you can immediately learn from what you did, or you can immediately see what you did wrong and maybe apply that to your life now. So from a, a purely like uh, scribe standpoint, it's useful. Uh, for me personally, writing, um, I, I have like writing for yourself like journaling is different for everybody um I write in the format of like a letter to myself yeah so I'll write something and I'll be like okay so this is why I thought this but it's like to me to me like whether that's obvious or not if you were to read it it's all to me uh, but the problem that I have is I always get hung up on something and the thing that I get hung up on is like love and that's and that's like it, it's not always about like a person but that's kind of like my problem with journaling is I get hung up on love somewhere in there um, but yeah like I said there are things that I I was able to like break away from that topic um, like this journal about uh, being lonely um, that I got without like any like woman being in there to distract me from that lesson uh, the the journal entry where I was in Venice and having that panic attack, that is completely 100% me, and there's no one else that that's about or involved in it at all. Uh, so it's like a little bit harder for me uh, because I tend to like get hung up on that kind of issue. Um, I don't know if that like says anything <laughs> about who I am as a person. Probably does, but um, so that's kind of like what journaling means to me. And putting a wrap on the episode, are there any other travel tips that you would like to share specifically for those um, thinking, man, that sounds great. I just don't know how I could possibly do it. Yes, yes. I would like to talk directly to those people. I hear people say those words all the time. Literally, every time I talk about traveling with someone, they're like, oh my God, I wish I could do that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like borderline 100% of the people that haven't traveled say that. And so what I would say to those people, Chance, is like, figure out what you want. If you really want that, then I can give you advice on that. If you don't want that, then like, well, what I would say to them is don't waste my time. But since, <laughs> because there's, because there's a bunch of times I'm just like, dude, let me tell you all my secrets of traveling the world for cheap. But, mo like 99% of the time, I think today was the first time I actually gave someone advice that they are going to take. And I've been driving, I, my full-time job, as you know, but your listeners don't know, I'm, a, I'm an Uber driver, full-time. Yo, same though. Yes, yeah. And, and that affords you freedom, so you can travel. And that's the great thing about it. But, so I talk about it. It's like a thing that just gets brought up often because I'm passionate about it. And like everyone is always like, oh my god, that's so amazing. I could never do that. I'm like, you could. You imbecile. Like, you just need to not be so thinking that it's out of your realm of possibility. So, if, if you are the type of person that is, you know, you know what you want and it's to travel, then this is for you. If not, then it's not. I hope it. I hope it is one day because you need to get in on this shit. It's the fucking best. Hey. <laughs> um, but honestly, um, I guess my first tip would be be okay with uncertainty. 
all you honestly need. And and chance, please jump in if you agree or disagree with any of these things. All right. Like anything, just agree or disagree with Standing it. Standing by. All you need is. <laughs> oh man. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, that's a that's a touchdown for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, it just got real loud in here. Oh, 23 to 10. 23 to 10, and we got 5:51 to go. Damn. And that, that is especially tough for the Vikings fans out there because the Packers have always been a fourth quarter team. <laughs> Ouch. Oh man. Well, that's but there's but still there's five fifty one left. Who knows what's gonna happen? Yo, there's a lot of time left. People. No. I'm not a Vikings fan. I'm a Packers fan. Yeah. <laughs> This is, this is Caitlin. She's back. Guest appearance on the show once the again. Shot bringer. The yeah, shot bringer. The shot bringer. Oh, shot bringers. Oh, damn. What an episode. So Speaking. that's... Speaking of. Caitlin. We're going to get some for their all gone. I need sure. to give this kid in the kitchen a $20 bill. Yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Um, it's not very often that a cook gets tipped out by a server. Uh, but if you do, you can, you know, you gotta you got to earn that. Uh, so it's cool that uh, she's going back and giving a cook some money. Hashtag, been a line cook. It's a hard life. <laughs> um, so, anyways, yeah, like be okay with uncertainty. Now, agree or disagree with any of these statements? Okay. Be with, be okay with uncertainty. Agree. All you need to survive is knowing where you're gonna sleep and knowing where you're gonna get water from. Agree. Yo, which brings up an important point. Um, I've gotten into intermittent fasting in the past year or so. Uh, I mean, simply the fact that you don't need to constantly eat is is freeing. Um, agree, agree. And it saves you money. Totally. And it saves you money. Don't starve yourselves, people. Like, be responsible about it. We uh, we got more Jello shots coming. More Jello shots. Third Jello shot ever. Cheers, everybody. Wow. <laughs> Third Jello shot ever, huh? Shouts out to the hospitality at Nutbush City Limits. <laughs> but yeah, um. Make sure uh, you're getting nutritious food when you do eat. But, yo, don't be, especially if you're traveling, don't be afraid to go one meal a day or anything like that. The reason I'm, like, asking, like, you these questions or to, like, comment on these is because, like, it's, it's, I, I just want someone backing me up saying, like, you literally just need to be okay with uncertainty. That's, like, the easy part. Seriously. Would you say that that's the easy part? Being okay with uncertainty? Yes. Yeah, and in... You know, this this also uh, ties back to something we said earlier, like, you know, travel, the mindset of travel applies to your life around your hometown as well. I think that life is uncertain. Um, if you're looking for complete certainty all the time, maybe, you know, you got to branch out a little bit. Uh, really stress, healthy stress, that is, and, and challenge is what makes us thrive. Um, and I would 100%. encourage people to pursue that. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Adversity is good. Like, if, it, if honestly, if there's one thing that I like, your your viewers, your listeners, like, would take away from what I think, it'd be like, dude, accept responsibility. Like, whatever it is that is hard in your life, live in that. Like, don't live in comfort. Always reach for the next rung. You will be 150% happier if you are always improving. Hell yeah. So that's life advice. That's not travel advice, though. It's both, though. Travel is life <laughs> that's, when you get into it. Yeah, yeah that's, that's fair. Because traveling is very hard, after all, to, to make it all happen. 
Um, so yeah, be okay with uncertainty. All you need, all you really need, is to know where you're gonna eat or not even eat because you can do that anywhere. You know where you're gonna get clean Sleep water and drink. from. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, and then um, the hardest part about it, and this is another thing, I want you to just say yes or no to. The hardest part is the finances. Yes and no. The only okay. qualifier that I would add is that, as I've said on, I think really like the previous two or three podcasts, um, given that um, the ones that I've done recently have been with people that I met at the Paris Writing Program, um, I think I think in this day and age, um, guys, this is such a great time to be alive. Like technology is advancing and. I mean, really, with even the slightest forethought, you can you can find a plane ticket like a month in advance, yep. Um, yep. and get wherever you want to go for a, like a few hundred dollars at most. Yep. So yes, finances are important. Like you want to make sure that you've got uh, the travel expenses, which I think are really the biggest portion of any trip. Yep. Second to that would be lodging, and then third would be you know food and daily expenses. Yep. Um, yes. So yes, I, I totally agree that finances are a huge part of travel um, and that a lot of people like sell themselves short in that they don't think they would be able to afford it. Afford it. Um, I mean, for me, like we just said a few minutes ago, like I'm just driving rideshare these days yep. and like doing some snow removal this time of year. Yep. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm not on salary, like I'm not breaking the bank by any means, like... I've got aspirations to uh, to continue to advance and you know find a career in, in a yeah. field that's suitable to me. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to be behind the wheel for my entire life, but um, I mean, even on a, a rideshare slash snow removal driver's exactly salary, what I was about to say, yes, man, continue. you can make it happen. You yeah. can make it happen. And I live in a, a, a really like shitty market for that too. I mean, we, we were having uh, before the podcast began. We were talking about what it's how, what it's like working in different cities and stuff. I mean, lacrosse is a market of like a hundred thousand people total, fifty thousand people in lacrosse, and then everywhere else in the county. And, few surrounding suburbs. Yeah, few, few surrounding suburbs. Uh, even even with that, like I cannot make a lot of money. What it, what it's all about is the freedom. I mean, so in order to afford excursions like this, I have to, <laughs> I have to work a lot of hours. That was priceless. Oh my gosh. I don't even know how to describe what I just saw. Yo, we'll just keep that between us. Okay. All right. That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. Oh. So, um, so yeah. I mean, that, but that's true though. Finances are a very, very hard part. I mean, for me, they were the hardest part. I mean, I had to work so hard to get that money because I'm not in a very good market. Like, I have to work a lot of hours to make ends meet because I'm a rideshare driver in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Um, but so finances are very hard. That, but that's a really good segue into the next thing: is it's flights. Um, flight prices, like you say, you can buy them with a relatively short amount of time between when you purchase them and when you go on said trip, uh, and have them be a, a few hundred dollars. Like obviously, there's going to be some exceptions on both sides, both good and bad. But I will say that if you are okay with not choosing where you go. You can choose uh, other things like when you go or how much you pay. So there's a, a couple, actually a couple different services that I subscribe to that send me deals on cheap flights. 
I don't know, should I mention them? Is that cool? Yo, go for yeah. it. Yeah. So, uh, two apps and one subscription service. One of them is called Skyscanner. It's a very useful uh, tool to find flights, uh, trains, buses. Um, that's not everywhere, but um, at least in Europe, you could do that every, uh, all, all within Europe. I'm sure that Skyscanner doesn't work for trains in the U.S. or buses in the U.S., for instance. But uh, then there's also, um, and that's like a search tool pretty much. They, they'll sometimes send me deals. It's not very frequently. The next one is Hopper. That's a good one. Oh, that's a really good one. That, whenever that little bunny rabbit sends me a message, dude, I get fucking excited. Because <laughs> all of the things, the thing that's really nice about Hopper is you can tell it, hey, I want to fly to St. Petersburg, Russia for $600, and this is when I want to go. It will send you a message when it becomes that price. It won't, like, it won't I mean, or when it gets close to that price. You have to do nothing. The only thing you have to do is... Uh, select a flight, a, a, a particular flight, a time and a price, and it'll send you notifications saying, hey, the, the flight's getting around this low, you want to buy. And that's very useful because um, you can do that. I don't even know how many times they allow. I've got like five going on. I got one to Poland, one to Costa Rica. I got one to, uh, to Budapest, London. I, I, got, I, got, I got a few of them. And, the, and I get notifications on these things all the time. I get more than I can buy. So, I mean, it's a good problem to have, I guess. I don't know which <laughs> vacation I want to take. And the last one gives you the best deal, but you have no control over when or where. And that's called scottscheapflights.com. So that's the mm. name Scott, cheapflights.com. That's a subscription service you have to pay for. It's $47 for a year. But you buy one ticket because of Scott's Cheap Flights, and it pays for itself. All you have to do... Is, uh, is pay for it, and you get every single mistake fare in the United States. And, like, every good deal that, like, pops up anywhere in the entire world. It's even for free, but you get one out of every three deals that they get. Hmm. I mean, I could pull up my phone right now. In fact, I'm going to. Let me just pull up my email real Yo, quick. Yo, let's see it. Let's see it. So it's currently uh, 10 p.m. here in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Earlier today, I got a Scott's Cheap Flights notification that flights to Lyon, Marseille, Paris, Toulouse, and Amsterdam have dipped below $400. Or no, they're from $400. Uh, my home airport is Chicago or Minneapolis. Neither of those are an option, so I'll choose Milwaukee, uh, the biggest city in uh, Wisconsin, four-hour drive. Uh, it's sort of by Chicago, just slightly closer. $486 round trip to France or Amsterdam for the time period of May to August. 486 round trip. 486 round trip. And I got, that's just the first one that I looked at. I'm going to find one, maybe two more. Yeah, that's a deal. So I go back, uh, see here, 11 a.m. today. So this is the second one today that I've gotten. China, 400s and 500s round trip, no bag fees. And that's from... It's from Chicago only to a bunch of cities that I'm not actually really sure how to pronounce um, in China. Normal price is more than $900. Uh, you see where I'm kind of going with this. So um, the, the, the other thing I wanted to talk about was, was flights. Uh, this is how you can find cheap flights. You can do it. But it kind of goes back to the first like little disclaimer. Like If you don't want to do it, then you're not going to do it. If you're serious about it and you want to do it, 
then like this is for you because you're actually going to do something about it. Um, so I guess um, my my next tip on traveling would be buy the flight if you have enough time to prepare beforehand. Great, like as long as you have that flight purchased, the trip is happening, and you can put all of the other things into place before you go. Like I bought my flight to Europe the first time that was back in February of this year. I bought that ticket before I had my passport, but. I bought the ticket, so the trip was happening no matter what. It's just a matter of me getting my own shit in line before the flight had to, to leave on that day in February. And I, so I got, t- I, I got all, all that stuff taken care of. I had a, a, a date in mind. I had a goal of num- amount of money in mind as well. I had to take care of my passport. I had to get my train pass because I, I did a rail pass, which is how I got around in Europe. And there's a bunch of different ways to get around in Europe. Um, but yeah, just buy a flight. This is how. Definitely just go out there and find a flight and buy it. That's like perhaps even like the first step. Um, as long, assuming you have the money to do it. I guess the last the last thing that I'll talk about tonight is um, the train pass that I got. Honestly, um, so I, I was in Europe for 63 days uh, from February to March. Well, into April, I guess. And... Um, I, uh, I got myself a first-class train pass where I could get on any train as many times as I wanted to, with the exception of, you know, like the TGV in France, the, the high-speed train, and a couple others. But I mean, probably about 90% of trains you can just walk onto, hop on. You don't have to do shit. Like you don't have to wait in lines. <laughs> not, you don't got nothing. That part was great. The part that wasn't great was that I got a first-class ticket. It was a couple hundred dollars more than the uh, regular ticket, but it never really pays you. I mean, the only time it made sense was on the Virgin train lines in England. Those things were sweet. They brought me tea. They bought me fucking crumpets, (laughs) dude. Smoked salmon with, like, scrambled eggs. Like, how fucking cool is that? And it was all free. But that was the only time that it made sense for me. So, I mean, why go with a first-class ticket? The second-class ticket was, like, 600 or not second class, whatever it was. It was like 650 bucks, something like that. My first class ticket was more like um, 900 to 1,000, something like that. So, I mean, basically what I'm saying is it's not worth it to get a first class ticket. Furthermore, when you're traveling, um, if you're kind of like, um, like sucked in by the magic of a place, then you're going to be losing money on that train pass. I mean, because I've spent a lot, I mean, immediately when I got to Europe, well, I landed in Dublin. I didn't like it there because I was honestly scared and jet lagged and everything was on the opposite side. So I immediately went to Liverpool and I had the time of my life when I got to Liverpool. Um, and so I ended up staying there uh, for like like seven or eight days, dude. Um, and all the while, I'm not using that a really expensive train ticket that I bought. So I guess my second like piece of advice with the trains is know your expectations. I thought that I was going to go all over Europe. I mean, I had like two full pages of places I wanted to go, things I wanted to see. None of them involves meeting anyone who complicate things and make you stay. And so I guess if you want to buy a Eurail, 
you can buy an unlimited pass like I did, or you can um, buy like a different version of a year rail pass where you are allowed to travel as much as you want within like a 15 day period or 15 travel days. So I mean, if I was there for two months and I wanted to travel for just 15 days of that, then I have that paid for. And that would have been more like, I mean, does that make sense? So it's like you're there for 60 days, like, like me, I was there for 60 days, and I could have bought a, a pass that allowed me to travel anywhere for 24 hours for, any 15, for fi any 15 of those days. There's like shit like that. There's like a customizable train package for you. And honestly, I could have saved myself nearly $500 if I would have just got one of those. Where I just would have got one of those like travel for 15 days out of your trip like passes um, and saved myself a lot of money. It was great. I really liked it. It was easy. I could just get on any train, but it, it, it ended up wasting some money at the end. Uh, and I guess on that last part, traveling around Europe is 15 times easier than traveling around, well, anywhere. They have an extensive train network. Anywhere a train doesn't go, they have a bus that goes there. It's all cheap. Even the airplanes are cheap, dude. I got a flight, my flight from Dublin to Liverpool, it cost me 10 quid. For those, for those of you on this side of the pond, that's $15. I got $15 for a flight across the Irish Sea to Liverpool. I've even heard of fares as low as four euros. And it's, uh, it's unlike the budget airlines in Europe. So I guess to wrap it up, it'd be that traveling, once you're there, dirt cheap. I mean, it's traveling here. And then my, uh, my one-way ticket back from Boise in the summer, it's $350 to here. And I stopped at Minneapolis on the way. Um, but a $300 ticket in Europe would mean that you would go all the way from like Iceland to like Greece or some shit like that. Like it's so cheap to fly there as well. Traveling in general, once you get there, is dirt cheap. I know it's that was pretty long-winded of me, but I have a lot of things to say about the things I'm passionate about. And I don't get passionate about things unless they're fucking awesome. Hey, yo, and uh, some great tips in that. I really appreciate you taking the time, Jack. And uh, I mean, I'm sure we're gonna keep talking for a little while here tonight. And, and Chance, thank you for having me on the show. Like, it's awesome. Like uh, that, I get I get to at least do my best to share whatever knowledge I have about traveling. Or you know, it's very, it's it's, it's just really great. And I'm happy that I can help somebody out there. Please, uh, it would be awesome to like hear if you guys have anything to say back like to anything that I said or Chance said I would be really interested to hear um, if there's anything you can expand upon or you can criticize honestly you've got a you got a place that they can do that like a social media link or an email or anything you want to share oh uh, yeah I've got an Instagram it's a uh, my, my name uh, Bauman B-A-U-M-A-N underscore Jack J-A-C-K dot F-R that's Bauman underscore Jack dot F-R cool man that's a wrap Awesome. If you enjoyed this podcast, please visit chancebychance.com. And thank you for listening.